0: Section 8 of Stories of the First American Animals. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betsy Walker, Santa Fe, New Mexico. Stories of the First American Animals by George Langford. Iohippus, the Dawn Horse. Part 2. A loud snort suddenly disturbed my train of thought. Eohippus was gazing into the distance at a myriad of moving specks which dotted the country for miles around. They seemed to be concentrating in one large central mass. "'Something unusual has occurred,' my companion said. "'My people are all herding together.' So saying, he turned away from me and moved towards the distant specks. I rose to my feet and followed. Taking good care not to tread upon Eohippus as I walked close behind him, tread on him that may sound strange, but it must be remembered that although he was a horse and fully grown, nevertheless he was very, very small. I made a hasty survey of the country as we proceeded. The rugged hills and gullies of the big horn had resolved themselves into a broad, low land covered with long grass and swampy growth. The gray bull river had almost disappeared in the background behind a thin line of stunted trees. Far to the west, a range of low hills cut the skyline with their gray crests. I seemed to recognize in them the beginning of a vast scar, the Shoshone Mountains, slowly erupting from the earth. The air I breathed was warm and oppressive, the ground moist and yielding underfoot strange birds arose from the scattered patches of protruding vegetation flapping away with much labor and noise the vegetation was that of semi tropics we were gradually drawing nearer to the outskirts of the moving mass so near that i could distinguish the various individuals i felt myself in a strange new world whose inhabitants were even more strange than the climate and country itself here were new faces and forms trooping before me in swarms soon we were in the midst of them and formed a part of the flood flowing toward the central mass the dawn horse attracted considerable attention but none seemed to notice me i was a giant towering in their midst and yet strange to say i neither jostled nor tread upon one of the vast throng packed closely about me neither by look nor act did they betray knowledge of my presence strange bewilderingly strange all these animals were to me and yet as i noted the bony structure concealed for the most part beneath flesh and hide they appeared less strange and unfamiliar i did not know them but somehow or other i had learned to know their bones animals of the dawn horse's own species began crowding about eohippus in endless color and variety gradually forcing the others aside My companion was evidently an individual of considerable importance, judging by the way they formed an escort about him, leaving him plenty of room in the center. They were of many kinds and sizes. Numerous colts followed their mothers, frisking with each other like kittens. They reminded me very much of kittens, with their supple bodies, many-toed feet, and long, flexible tails. Not one of the grown animals was larger than a bull-terrier, and yet, They were not cat-like nor dog-like at all. They were tapirs, too, tiny monkeys, squirrels, and various other small creatures too strange to compare with any I knew of. Further on, we encountered a new set of animals, the knuckle joints, larger than the dawn horses, but quite like them in general appearance. They were more stolid, however, and far less active than the horses. They wore five toes on each of their four feet. There was something piggish in their manner. I judged that they could be fairly good fighters if anyone offended them. These knuckle-joint animals were simply an enlarged edition of the general type. Creatures with five-hoofed feet, loosely connected bodies, heavy tails, and elongated heads. The latter seemed to have very little room in them for brains. In this latter respect, Eohippus showed marked superiority over the other animals whereat i felt a new pride in my little four-toed horse although old-fashioned he possessed more than his share of good common sense some of the small animals although strange were more or less familiar to me one of them i passed had his mouth open so that i could see his front teeth the middle two in each jaw thick and long showed that he was a gnawing animal another had the making of a hedgehog i could tell this by his peculiar teeth the tooth plan in general was four eleven forty four four jaws eleven teeth in each jaw forty four teeth in all i looked into every open mouth i saw it was a wonderful experience i felt like an overgrown child amid the creatures of a toy noah's ark all wound up and ready to go by this time we were near the centre of the vast herd my ears caught the sounds of many voices grunting and squealing kill the renegade death to the bearcats!" eohippus turned his head and gazed at me i could not resist the appeal of those soft eyes they seemed to say perhaps you know better than i there may be traitors amongst us and if so you are here to guide me i edged closer to him and side by side we made our way into the very center of the throng. Here stood a compact mass of pudgy-bodied animals. They were the largest I had yet seen. In size and general appearance, they somewhat resembled the African hippopotamus. The points of two canine tusks peeped from beneath their upper lips. These were the grass-eating fighters, I judged, by the way they bellowed and snapped their jaws together they were amblypods or stumpy-foot animals as they stood in a semicircle shoulder to shoulder three ranks deep one of them the largest emerged from the group and advanced to meet the dawn horse oxena has killed a dawn colt he bellowed what shall be done with him eohippus shuddered this is terrible news what has he to say the amblypod gave a signal and soon a squad of his creatures were hustling the culprit before Eohippus. Oxina was an unwholesome-looking brute, something like a wolverine. He had a large head and a long, heavy tail. His feet were tipped with dog-like claws. He was a bear cat, a hyena animal, the kind that fed upon the kill of others and attacked none but the sick or feeble. Oxina's manner now savored of cowardice, but even a coward may make a bold stand when cornered. Suddenly, his hair bristled, and he showed his teeth, all the time glaring fiercely at his captors. At this show of fight, the Stumpyfoot leader confronted him with tusks bared. Oxina quailed and hung his head. Let me go, he whined. Why do you treat me so? Yes, why? Shame, shame, piped a shrill voice. All eyes turned toward the speaker, a shifty-eyed, long-bodied individual the size of a small cat. It's the puppy mink, someone snorted. He is as bad as the other one. Not so, the small meddler retorted. I may be a bear cat, but what of it? Is there any harm in that? He glanced at Oxena reassuringly out of his beady eyes. The prisoner's face brightened. His courage revived. Yes, what harm? he growled. And as for the killing, I have plenty of friends to prove my innocence. We are all friends here, said Eohippus. We will listen i for one will be glad to hear someone prove that what you say is true oxena gazed furtively about him they are not here he said who he means the bear cats said the stumpy foot leader nobody knows where they hide themselves these days i do the pumpy mink volunteered if you wish i will go and fetch them do so eohippus commanded instantly the puppy mink darted away squirming through the crowd like a ferret in a surprisingly short space of time he emerged in the distance and raced off to the woods oxena seemed much pleased with the way his affair was progressing he gazed boldly about him his eyes alighted upon a couple of tiny pig-like creatures who had edged up close to him in their eagerness to see and hear everything that was going on oxena's face assumed a ferocious expression and he licked his chops so greedily that the two little creatures were much alarmed They shrank back into the crowd and soon made themselves scarce. Other small fry followed their example until finally only the larger animals remained. What a gathering! The dawn horse, Oxena, and myself occupied the center. The large stumpy foot and knuckle joint animals were massed closely about us, with the tapirs and horses forming another ring outside of them. It was a court scene such as I had never looked upon in all my born days in the open air of wyoming and conducted entirely by strange animals eohippus was the judge the herd of grass eaters was the jury and the stumpy foot and large knuckle joint animals were there to preserve order it was to be a fair trial otherwise Oxena would have been summarily dealt with long before this he was to be tried before a jury of his peers or rather his former associates the crime of which he was accused was murder. He had done no worse than any flesh-eating animal, but beasts of prey were not yet generally recognized as such. Therefore, killing and eating a fellow creature was a very serious offense. Oxeno was guilty. I felt sure of that. His hyena-like teeth were evidence enough for me. But the grass-eaters knew nothing about the meaning of teeth and were delving after the truth in their own way. As an interested spectator and guardian of my little horse, I, with the others, awaited the developments in the case of herd versus oxina, or rather, in the first break between the flesh-eating and vegetable-eating animals of the Big Horn Basin. End of section 8. Recording by Betsy Walker.